This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome into our post-game show here on the Padres Radio Network. The final in Cincinnati, the Red 7 and the Padres 5 in 11 innings as the Padres lose their sixth consecutive game and they fall to eight games below 500, a record now of 37 and 45. Sam Levitt with you inside our San Diego studios here on the Padres Radio Network on this early Friday evening. Hope you're uh, having a great Friday as we enter this July 4th weekend Well, in a first half that ended yesterday, where you hope seven games below 500 would be the low point, the Padres took, I think, maybe the the hardest gut punch they've had all season with this game here today. And there is a lot to break down. There's a lot to talk about. There were good things in this game, the way the Padres battled back in the ninth inning, finally scored runs in extra innings. But the Cincinnati Reds are, like Jesse and Tony alluded to, they're playing in a magical way right now. And they score three runs in the bottom half of the 11th inning and walk it off on the Spencer Steer two-run home run to win the game 7-5. And it's almost, I'm almost at a loss for words. I I mean, just a, a game that was well-pitched early on between Graham Ashcraft and Seth Lugo. And yes, before... The ninth inning before the Padres tied it, the theme in the game to me was really twofold. The Padres, starting pitching-wise, Seth Lugo uh, did enough, and the offense just did not get anything going against Graham Ashcraft, but then things just got so crazy from there. The Padres, to their credit, battled back to tie the game in the ninth inning. They scored two in the tenth inning. Reds tied up with two outs down to their final out in the tenth inning, on the home run by McLean. Then the Padres scratch across a run in the 11th inning, finally showing the fight that we've been looking for offensively that, quite frankly, you were looking for in the first eight innings of this game. But when it's not going good, it's not going good. And when it rains, it pours. And right now it's pouring for the San Diego Padres as it feels like in the last 11 games, the Padres have now lost nine of them It is crushing blow after crushing blow, crushing defeat after crushing defeat, and there's no other way to describe it. What has happened in the past 11 games, starting with the series in San Francisco, the bullpen blowing leads, and here today the bullpen obviously an issue once again. The part that really hurt in this game was the Padres did, just in the extra innings, a lot of things right. They had big hits, but in a season where things have not clicked quite simply, 
for 82 games now. It has not clicked all at once at all. Here today on a day where the Padres finally figured out how to score runs, collect some hits and extra innings. It's the bullpen, which is thin right now, and not a ton of options for Bob Melvin late in a game like that and extras. Uh, that falters. And the Reds, well, they're the team right now that is simply finding ways to win night after night. And the Padres, quite frankly, have been the exact opposite. It has been uh, uh, finding different ways to not win games and uh, finding ways to not close out games. So the Padres now here on June 30th as we get ready to flip the calendar to July 37 and 45 nowhere close to where anybody thought this team would be and today i gotta tell you i know the games in san francisco were tough i know there were games in the first half that were tough but this felt at moments in extra innings like a game that could maybe be a turning point it's hard to say that when you're seven games below 500 and there is so much work to do but it felt like maybe just maybe this could be a day that you could look back to and the Padres showing some things they had not shown a lot in the first half here in the first game of the second half. But much like the first half, the final result was not what you wanted and Padres fans, my heart hurts for you. My heart's hurting a little bit here on the post game as we open things up because that was, uh, it was crushing uh, the way this one ended and uh, certainly wish it would have ended better, but a lot to break down, a lot to tell you about. We'll hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin, but I don't know what more to say other than, again, when it rains, it pours, and this is the way it's gone here in 2023, and today it went the same way in Cincinnati. Final score in 11, Red 7, Padres 5. We have a long recap to get to. A game that really started uh, very quickly. It was fast. It was well-pitched. You thought, all right, this might be one of those games where Padres get one run on the Grisham home run. Red score two, and it's one of those games where the offense didn't do enough. And by the way, in regulation, that's still true. We'll get into all of that. But boy, a tough pill to swallow as we begin this July 4th weekend, no doubt about it. Post-game show continues after this on the Padres Radio Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you inside our San Diego studios. Again, the final score in Cincinnati in the series opener between the Padres and the Reds. The Reds 7 and the Padres 5 in 11 innings. And, uh, well, searching for the words uh, after the Padres' sixth consecutive loss, two to the Nationals, three to the Pirates, and now one to a red-hot Reds team. Padres dropped to a season-low eight games below 500. Lot to do on our post-game show. We will go back to Cincinnati in just a few minutes. Here from Padres manager Bob Melvin. We have a lot to break down. This was a pretty straightforward game during most of regulation, and then it was windy in extra innings. And the Padres did a lot of good things and a lot of things you want to forget. 
And that was even true up until the very final batter and the very final couple of plays in this game. Let's recap it. Take a breath. Let's do it together with our game highlights. Let's go through the biggest moments from today's game with our game highlights. Presented by the new El Cajon Ford Commercial Service Center. Servicing all Fords up to F-750s and motorhomes. Both starting pitchers started this game on a roll. Seth Lugo and Graham Ashcraft matching zeros. Three scoreless innings to start the day for both. In the bottom of the fourth inning, Lugo allowed a one-out single to Jonathan India. Ellie De La Cruz then hit a chopper down the right field line for a base hit. But Fernando Tatis Jr. threw out De La Cruz at second base as he tried to stretch it into a double. Lugo would get out of that inning and strand the runner on third base. Lugo then dealt with more trouble in the fifth inning. He gave up back-to-back singles. The Spence Steer and Tyler Stevenson, but he found his way again out of the jam. Meanwhile, the Padres just could not get anything going against Graham Ashcraft through five innings. He allowed just two singles through the first five. On to the sixth inning, a scoreless game. Trent Grisham let off. Pitch on the way. Trent swings, sends one in the air, center field and deep. Friedel's going back to the left of center. He's at the wall, looks up, gonna go! A home run for Trent Grisham. Second consecutive day, he's gone deep. And the Padres take a 1-0 lead here in the sixth. Second home run in as many days for Trent Grisham. In the bottom half, Lugo struck out two batters to begin the inning. But then Dela Cruz hit a fly ball into left center, a ball that absolutely should have been caught. But miscommunication between Trent Grisham and Juan Soto, the ball dropped in. Dela Cruz winded up at second base. It was ruled an error on Grisham. It was critical because Jake Fraley was next. 1-1, lined into center field. That will get down to base hit, and that'll tie the game. De La Cruz easily scores from second base. An RBI single for Jake Fraley. An unearned run, and now 1-1 here in the sixth. That was the only run he allowed in six innings, Seth Lugo did. Padres then had a great scoring chance in the top of the seventh inning. Ashcraft retired the first two, but then he got wild and walked the next two. Ashcraft was taken out. Lucas Sims came in. He struck out Rugnet Odor to end the inning. In the bottom half, Brent Honeywell entered. He walked the leadoff man, Spencer Steer, but with Tyler Stevenson at the plate, he picked Steer off. It was a battle with Stevenson that went 10 pitches. But here's what happened on pitch number 10. 10th pitch of the A.B. on the way, and that's hit in the air to left field. Soto looking for it, backing up at the wall, going to go. Tyler Stevenson, a solo home run to break a 1-1 tie at the bottom of the seventh inning. And the Reds are in front for the first time here tonight. It was a weird inning where the three outs recorded were on two pickoffs and a bunted third strike, but still, the Reds led 2-1 to one heading to the eighth inning, and we were just getting started. Lucas Sims worked around a two-out single from Juan Soto in a scoreless eighth inning. On to the ninth inning, Padres still trailing 2-1. to one. Alexis Diaz, one of baseball's best closers this season, took the mound. He had not blown a save this year. Xander Bogart started the inning with a single. Jake Cronenworth then laid down a bunt to the left of the mound. Diaz made a low throw to first base that Joey Votto couldn't dig out. Padres had runners on first and second with nobody out. Gary Sanchez then hit a deep fly ball to left. It was caught. Both runners moved up. Matt Carpenter then stepped in. And Carpenter swings, hits one in the air to deep right field. Fraley back towards the corner, makes the catch on the warning track. That's deep enough to tie the game. Both runners advance as Bogart scores. And it's 2-2 here in the ninth as Diaz blows his first save of the season. 
Padres then left Jake Cronenworth stranded at third in that top of the ninth inning. Tied at 2-2 going bottom nine. Padres went to Josh Hader. He worked around a two-out walk and struck out three to send us to extra innings. Top 10 now, still tied at two. Rugnet Odor was the Padres' automatic runner. Ian Jabot on the mound for Cincinnati. Trent Grisham laid down a sack bunt. That got Odor to third base. The top of the lineup and Fernando was next. Here's the 0-2 to Fernando. Reach four line to the center field and a base hit. Odor will come in to score, and the Padres are back in front. For only the second time this year, the Pods get a run in an extra inning, and they go up 3-2 to two here in the 10th. Padres weren't done. Juan Soto dug in. No balls in his strength. The pitch to Soto is hit in the air down the left field line. Long run, Benson. He's not going to get there. That's going to roll to the corner. Fernando's racing towards third. He's going to make the turn on the way. McLean's throw to the plate is not in time. Padres get their second run here in the 10th inning. They lead it 4-2 as Fernando scores all the way from first base. Soto's standing at second, and they're looking for more. Ray Kerr entered for the Padres in the bottom half of the 10th inning with the Padres leading 4-2. Kerr got a ground out. He got a pop out. The Reds down to their final out. But Matt McLean dug in. 2-1 and one to McLean. Here's the pitch from Kerr, and that's lined into center field. Grisham's racing straight back. Still going back. Looks up. It's gone. Oh, just over the wall in straightaway center field. A two-run line drive home run for Matt McLean when the Reds were down to their final out and were tied at four. Kerr got the final out of the 10th inning, so we went to the 11th inning. Xander Bogarts was the automatic runner. Alex Young on the mound for Cincinnati. Jake Cronenworth popped out, but Gary Sanchez was next. The 0-1 pitch. Sanchez, a bouncer up the middle by the bag at second. Funny hop off of India's glove, rolls into center. Bogart's rounding third. He's going to score. And the Padres are back in front, 5-4 to four here in the 11th. That's all the Padres got in the 11th inning. We go bottom half. Jonathan India was the automatic runner. Drew Carlton came on to pitch. The exciting Ellie De La Cruz led off. Here's the 2-1 pitch. De La Cruz swings, lines it into right center field. That is going to tie the game. Fernando slides to cut it off, but India will score. The throw goes to second, not in time. RBI double, Ellie De La Cruz. It's 5-5 in the 11th. A sack bunt by Kevin Newman sent De La Cruz to third. He represented the winning run. Nick Senzel was next. Comes set and fires, and a ground ball to shortstop. He's coming home. Bogart's throw, the tag. He missed home plate. Sanchez going to tag him out. De La Cruz went in head first. And immediately, Jeff Nelson, the umpire, just kind of stood there, which indicated to everybody in the building he didn't think De La Cruz hit home plate. Sanchez ran him down behind the dish to tag him out. Obviously, the Reds will challenge this. Why wouldn't they? The execution. Cincinnati is challenging the out call of the plate and blocking of the plate. After review, there was no blocking violation. The out call at home plate was confirmed. The runner is out. Della Cruz was out at home plate. He hit the leg of Gary Sanchez, never touched home. And it looked like maybe this game was destined for the 12th inning by just Della Cruz missing home plate by a fingernail. But for Drew Carlton, there was still one more out to get in the bottom half of the 11th inning. A runner on for Spencer Steer. Carlton set the right-hander deals and Steer swings, hits one in the air to deep left field. You've got to be kidding. That is going to go. Second deck and left, a walk-off two-run home run, and the Reds in 11 innings when it's 7-5. to five. You gotta be kidding.
is right. Well said by Jesse Agler. The final score in 11, Red 7, Padres 5. Padres have lost six in a row, and they are now a season low, eight games below 500. Before we hear from Bob Melvin, go back to Cincinnati. Let's pause for Station ID on the Padres Radio Network. KWFNFM and KWFNHD1 San Diego. Hey, it's Fernando Jr. You're listening to Padres Baseball on Padres Radio Network. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Sam Levitt with you here inside our San Diego studios as the Padres fall 7-5 to the Cincinnati Reds in the opener of this three-game series at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Let's go back to Cincinnati now and hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Let's take a trip down to the Padres Clubhouse and hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Presented by Sin Lee Food. Find your next cooking adventure at Sin Lee Food, 4665 El Cajon Boulevard. The Cook's Asian Resource. Bob, there were so many things you did hmm. rallying late, yeah. uh, scoring an extra innings. What do you say when it just keeps getting more gut-wrenching, it seems like, almost every day? Well, then you got to find some positives. And there were today, unfortunately. Felt like we had it in our grasp a couple times. But, you know, did the little things much better today. You know, you hate to have silver linings with where we are right now. And that's probably, we've had some tough ones here recently. That's as tough as any with the fact that we're one pitch away from winning the game. And you did it with, after using Josh in the ninth, yeah. Kerr almost gets out, Carlton almost gets out. I mean, those guys hadn't been in those situations nope. very much in their career. What did you think about the way that they... Look, they, the state of our bullpen now and where we are, they're going to have to pitch in some games. Yeah. You know, same thing, you know, with Honeywell too. I mean, the last thing I want to do is have to bring Nick in that game, um, you know, when it's tied. But, you know, we had to keep it there. Had to score a run off their closer and... So obviously these guys are getting some experience at the big leagues in spots they haven't been, you know, performed pretty well, just a couple pitches short. There were a couple plays that prolonged or made yeah. Seth throw. Would you have been willing to have Seth go seven? Not after, we're, you know, we've we incrementally brought him up from like 65. You know, 90 is about all we were looking at today, so I didn't, ask, I didn't want to have to ask, ask him to do that. What was your view on the play in left field? So no aggression. Uh, it looks like they lost it in the sun at the last minute. So, you know, Juan's got the tougher angle with the sun, and Grish is kind of kind of trying to come over there and help him out some, and I think maybe they both lost it. I feel pretty confident on that second-to-last play there that Gary had lined up? Or? Well, it doesn't matter on the infield. So it's just from the outfield. On the infield, you just have to make a play as quickly as you can. That was Padres manager Bob Melvin from the clubhouse in Cincinnati after this 7-5 defeat for the Padres in 11 to the Cincinnati Reds. Again, Sam Levitt back with you inside our Padres Radio Network studios. If you're driving in traffic right now, we will keep you company here for a while as we break down this game. I really think you have to look at this game basically in two parts. They were almost two separate games. And I'll dive more into that on the other side of this break. Uh, We'll talk about how this was sort of two separate games. How on one hand, we saw a lot of the same issues really through regulation in this game for the Padres. On the other hand, there were good things they did. And then there were parts of this team that got exposed in the bullpen today. And um, again, you heard Bob Melvin say it, uh, you know, allude to it. Padres have suffered a lot of crushing losses, especially as of late. But like I said in the very open of the postgame, to me, I mean, this was the biggest gut punch they've taken this season. When you talk about crushing losses because they were so close. And even after 
being so close and the game continuing, they battled back again. There was some fight. There was some battle in the extra innings. There was some execution that we haven't seen all year in the extra innings. But still was not enough as the Padres lose a sixth straight game. We'll continue to break it down. We have more sound coming from the clubhouse as well. Again, the final score, Cincinnati 7, San Diego 5 in 11. Back after this on the Padres Radio Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score in 11 in Cincinnati, Red 7 and the Padres 5. Another very, very, very tough defeat for the San Diego Padres as they drop to 37-45. and 45. Reds improve to 44-38. and 38. Sam Levitt with you in our San Diego studios. Appreciate you joining us on this Friday evening. Hope you're uh, getting safely to wherever you're going on this July 4th weekend. Not a great start to July 4th weekend for the Padres as they lose a sixth in a row. If you want to know how good it's going for the Cincinnati Reds right now, who have now won 17 of their last 22 games, since June 6th, this is according to OptiStats. The Reds are the first team in MLB history today to have one rookie hit a game-tying home run. That was Matt McClain. And another rookie hit a walk-off home run. That was Spencer Steer in extra innings in the same game. So not only did they find ways to tie it and eventually win it in extra innings after the Padres scored in each extra inning, Two in the 10th inning, one in the 11th inning. It was the young guys. And it's something we talked about with Tony in the pregame show. That's really a big part of the story for Cincinnati, their turnaround. It has been this infusion of youth led by Ellie De La Cruz, who had a huge hit in this game. The game-tying RBI double in the 11th inning. And it's just going right for Cincinnati right now. And everything's kind of going wrong for the Padres right now. Uh, I think you saw today, for whatever reason, and this is baseball, it happens like this sometimes, one team where they're just they're just finding ways to win games, and the Padres, unfortunately, just has not been that way, especially in the last week and a half, uh, going back to about 11 games ago that Monday in San Francisco. So we'll continue to break this one down. I have some thoughts for you before we go back to Cincinnati and hear from Juan Soto. We have more audio coming from the clubhouse as well. So we're going to hear from Juan Soto inside the clubhouse in just a second. I do think you have to break up this game into two parts, quite honestly. And before I get into this, by the way, we will take some of your phone calls coming up in a little bit. 833-288-0973, the phone number. Again, 833-288-0973. But I think you have to look at this game really in two parts because everything before the ninth inning when the Padres got a run to tie it, it was sort of the same old story in the sense of this. Graham Ashcraft, the starting pitcher for Cincinnati, got off to a really good start this year, had a two ERA even in his first six starts. But his last eight, he had a 12-plus ERA 
and a 386 opponent batting average. The Padres had two singles against him and a home run from Trent Grisham in the sixth inning that gave him a 1-0 lead. That was it against Graham, Graham Ashcraft. He went six and two-thirds innings, one run, three hits. A guy who came in his last eight starts with a 12-plus ERA. In fact, Ashcraft had not gone six innings since the last time he faced the Padres in early May at Petco Park. That's how long it had been and how much he had struggled, and he was on the IL for a little bit there as well. So for a while here, it it sort of was the same old story in the first eight innings. The only hits for the top five in the lineup, something we talked about a ton yesterday, we said if the Padres are going to turn this thing around, it has to be led by the top five, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, and Cronenworth. In the first eight innings, they had two hits, Two singles, both by Juan Soto. Before the ninth inning, Fernando Tatis Jr. was 0 for 4. Manny Machado was 0 for 4. Xander Bogarts was 0 for 3. Jay Cronenworth was 0 for 3. And again, most of those at-bats against the guy in Graham Ashcraft that had been getting hit extremely hard in the last eight starts. So that's one part of the game. Because then, and by the way, before I get to, to the ninth inning and beyond... We've talked about when the offense can't deliver, it makes the margin for error so incredibly small. And we saw it again in the sixth inning. Two outs with Lugo on the mound. He's cruising at that point. The fly ball to left center. Grisham goes over. Soto has a shorter trip to it. He's sort of camped under it. I looked at the replay. I, I honestly, I thought Trent Grisham, and I know you know, they tell you in Little League, it's when the center fielder calls you off, you you back away. I, it looked like there was some clear miscommunication there. I don't know if they hurt each other. Didn't look like it. But Juan Soto was camped under it. And really, Grisham ran to Soto's space. I, I, that's Soto's ball when I looked at it again on the high home view. And you just look at, at how far each of the guys had to travel. Regardless, it dropped in. They made a mistake. The two of them dropped in. It happens. Next batter, Fraley, RBI single, game tied like that. And again, the margin for error when you can only score one run before the ninth inning is just incredibly small. It's something we've talked about for weeks on end, months now on end. So then the the Reds take the lead 2-1. to We go to the ninth inning. And this is where the Padres did a lot of good things, really good things, things we haven't seen all year. Keep in mind the Padres were 0 for 6 entering today's game in extra innings. Now they're 0 for 7, but they were 0 for 6 entering today. They had only scored, I mean, this is impossible to believe, one run on one hit in extra innings before today in six extra inning games. And by the way, you get a runner on second base for free in each extra inning. But to the Padres' credit, and this was the good of this game and the positives that Bob Melvin talked about, they found a way to scratch across a run in the ninth inning. couple of singles. Sack fly by Carpenter, 2-2. They get it to the 10th inning after Hader throws a score to the bottom of the 9th inning. Not only did they manufacture a run with a sack bunt, Fernando Tatis Jr., RBI single in the 10th inning to take a one-run lead, then Juan Soto hits an RBI double. They have a two-run lead. I mean, these are things we haven't seen all year. Bottom of the 10th inning, Ray Kerr comes in, gets the first two outs, and wouldn't you know it, down to their final out again, the Reds. They've been magical. Two-run home run for McLean ties the game at four. In the 11th inning, and I know I'm kind of recapping this again, but it, it just it proves the points here. 
Padres get the run. Gary Sanchez, RBI single to take a one-run lead. They can't get any more. And then in the bottom half of the 11th inning, Drew Carlton comes on. De La Cruz immediately ties it at 5-5 with the RBI double. Gets to third base on a sack bunt, representing the winning run with one out. And then the play. And, and this is, I mean, this this was the sequence that, again, when I say gut punch, I mean, this was like the ultimate gut punch of gut punches. It really was. The fielder's choice to Bogarts. He comes home with it somehow. Ellie De La Cruz's hand doesn't touch home plate because Gary Sanchez has his leg there, and he missed it. He missed it. He hit Sanchez's leg, never got it on the second try. The Padres, A, made a good play, and B, got a break that by a fingernail, De La Cruz didn't touch home plate. So you're thinking to yourself at that point, okay, maybe there's a shot you can get it to the 12th inning and, and just score again, keep it going, keep executing. And moments later, the walk-off home run by Steer. Just the the highs and lows and uh, the moments that have made you shake your head throughout this season. Um, it has been a tough year to this point and uh, a week and a half full of crushing losses. And this is right up there as the most crushing to me. So, again, I split it into two games. We saw a lot of the same stuff in the first eight innings. To the Padres' credit, I've got to give them credit for what they did in the 9th, 10th, and 11th. But at the end of the day, it's a team game, and you've got to win it as a team. And today, the bullpen, the options for Bob Melvin, limited right now with Wilson on the IL, Cosgrove on the IL, Josh Hader isn't going to pitch more than one inning. I see a lot of people talking about that on social media. It's not happening. So Bob Melvin, I mean, if he's not going to Ray Kerr in the 10th inning, if he's not going to Drew Carlton in the 11th inning, the other options are Adrian Morahone. Luis Garcia pitched in back-to-back days the last couple of days, 22 pitches on Wednesday, pitched yesterday. There are limited options. And like Bob Melvin said, you're going to have pitchers that, A, have never been in these spots before at the major league level, and B, you know, are not names that you thought would be in these spots this season. But that's due to injuries. Um, The depth in the bullpen is not great. It's something we've talked about. And... That's what happens when you don't have that depth. So, a uh, tough one here today. All right, enough for me. Let's go back to the clubhouse in Cincinnati here from Juan Soto. What is it like day after day, though? You know, I know you played pretty well today. Yeah, you know, it sucks, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, you got to appreciate what, what we did today. We came out. We played really good baseball all the way into the last inning. So, I think... He sucks because we lost the game. Yeah, I know it's pretty hard, but I think as a group, we, we handle it and we battle the whole way. That's different in terms of like how everybody, you're like the fourth guy to basically say the same thing. There. This just seems to be a different reaction. There's disappointment clearly, but like, hey, we did what we could today. That, that seems like it's different. That's that's what that's what good teams do. I mean, they, they fight until the last half. I mean, they never give up. They show up too, so that's why they've been playing really good baseball. They've been playing all the way, so I think it's just how it's just how good they are and how good we are. We just handling things and it just didn't went. It didn't go in that way. You were clearly calling that ball in left field. Is it the noise, the crowd? What what happened on that? Uh, I was calling it all the way. He was calling it all the way. Uh, I just heard him in the last second. Uh, I tried to get out of the way, but it was kind of too late. Uh, the 
definitely I call it early and, and throw my hand out there, but we didn't look at each other, so that's just miscommunication. And again, that was Juan Soto inside the Padres clubhouse after this 7-5 loss to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, you heard Soto talking about that play in the sixth inning, and again, I thought Soto, he was camped under it. I, I just And I know Grisham is the gold glover. I know Trent. You know, he's a center fielder. You got to be aggressive. I get it. But Juan was right there. I, I just, again, looking at the replay, and and I suppose they didn't hear each other. They both called for it, apparently. Um, to me, that was Soto's ball. I mean, he just didn't have to go nearly as far as, as a Grisham went for it. So, look, in the grand scheme of this game, again, it's hard to look at this game kind of in one piece because that was – the part of the game where, again, that margin for error was so small with the Padres only scoring a run in the first eight innings. It, it meant you couldn't make that kind of mistake, and they did. So, again, you can look at this game the first half and say, you know what? Seth Lugo gave you six innings. You gave up two runs. Padres offense against Graham Ashcraft. You got to do more against the guy that came in with a 12-plus ERA in his last eight starts. And that is, I think, a very fair take and assessment of this game um, because that was a big part of it. That's a big part of why this game got to extra innings and the Padres found themselves in the ninth inning searching for a run to tie it. And to be totally honest with you, as this game went on and I'm writing down my notes, that's that was my focus. It kind of went off the rails in extra innings. And again, you sort of have mixed feelings today because they did do a lot of good things in extra innings and made up for some of the shortcomings earlier in the game. Just tough, you know. I've sat here week after week, night after night, month after month now, sort of searching for the answers. And when you're, you know, again, we, we've said it. We said it. This is a different story here tonight against the Reds, but we said it yesterday, not only about who they were losing to, teams like the Nationals and the Pirates, but the way they were losing. And this one sort of falls in that category too. It's, it's just when it's, when it's not going right, it's not going right. And right now, it's it's uh, it's tough for the San Diego Padres. So, again, some bad, some good in this game. But ultimately, they're in a spot where they got to find ways to win these games. And the Reds are finding ways right now. That's uh, the big story here today. All right, before we uh, go to break, we will get to your phone calls coming up. More audio coming up from the clubhouse as well. Let's tell you about our ace pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was dealing today? Let's find out who's today's ace pitcher of the game. Brought to you by The Grilling Store at Hillcrest Ace Hardware. From Traeger and Weber to the Big Green Egg. All your grilling and barbecue needs are inside The Grilling Store at Hillcrest Ace Hardware. Our ace pitcher of the game. I'm going to give it to Seth Lugo. I, I know the Padres lost but it was not on Seth Lugo. I mean, he went six innings, no earned runs given up, five hits, walked nobody, struck out six. Third, really, really solid outing for Seth Lugo off the IL. Graham Ashcraft was really good, six and two-thirds innings, one earned run given up. But the run that Lugo gave up wasn't on him. Innings should have been over. So for me, it's Seth Lugo, our ace pitcher of the game. You know, with our awards, I try if I can to go with a Padre, and I thought Lugo was very deserving here today. And it is another quality start. The Padres wasted. They didn't win the game. And my goodness, how often have we seen that lately? I mean, think about this for a second. 
The Padres received a quality start on Wednesday. Blake Snell, six innings, two runs given up. A quality start yesterday. Joe Musgrove, six innings, two runs given up. And a quality start today, six innings, one run given up. And they've lost all three. And that tells a lot of the story right there. All right, we'll step aside. We'll come back. Phone calls, more audio coming from the clubhouse as well as we wrap this one up. Again, the final score, Red 7, Padres 5 in 11 innings in Cincinnati. Postgame show continues after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Padres Radio Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Our postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you inside our San Diego studios. Final score, Red 7. And the Padres 5 in 11. Padres lose a sixth consecutive game. They've now dropped nine of their last 11 a season low. Eight games below 500. And it doesn't give me any pleasure to say all those things, but that is where we are. It's been, uh, I would say, a pretty... Eventful day for the Padres once again, especially here on the station. If you missed it, we had uh, A.J. Preller, Padres president of baseball operations and general manager on Ben and Woods early this morning. Uh, we played a couple of clips from that during the pregame. Quite honestly, I thought that with the way this game was going, it was going to be so quick and we were going to go till 6 p.m. I thought we would play a lot of the clips for you, but now we're we're totally consumed with what became a, a crazy game and a crushing loss for the Padres once again. But if you missed the interview earlier, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it after we're done. You can listen to it. A 973thefansd.com or on the Odyssey app, wherever uh, you find podcasts. So uh, you can find the AJ Preller interview. Again, it was at 9 a.m. this morning with Ben and Woods. And credit to Ben and Woods, they did a, a really good job with that interview. It's, uh, of course, a tough time right now uh, for the Padres, for the fans, uh, as they try to deal with what has been such a, a disappointing start to this season and more than a start now as we're in the second half, game number 82. Uh, as of today, we will take uh, your phone calls here coming up in a little bit. So just if you're on hold, stay on hold with us uh, for just a little while longer. 833-288-0973, the phone number to call. If you want to get involved on social media, you can tweet at me at Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. You can also Instagram DM me if you want. Sammy Lev there as well, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Uh, before we get to your phone calls, more of that. I do want to get to some more of the uh, audio we have from the clubhouse after this game. We heard from Bob Melvin already, heard from Juan Soto. Now let's go back to Cincinnati, hear from Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't know the day, but I mean, these last few days have been, uh, I'm sorry to ask you to even put this into words, but like, uh, that was crazy. I mean, I feel like this game was one of the best games that we played over here. And, uh, you know, just not having the, the result that we wanted. It just, like you said, it's a punch, it's a punch straight to the face or straight to the balls, however you want to call it. Like in that you guys kind of used this time after 81 games, hey, let's refocus, we'll go one game. I mean, I know it's too late for a moral victory, but like you said, you, know, you did a lot of things that, was, that you hadn't done before. What can you take from it? 
just a fight, the fight that we put out there. I mean, and just just remember this feeling. So hopefully next game, I remember it and don't want to be in the same position again. Did you know De La Cruz was going to go the whole way on that one play? Did you throw him out? Uh, no. Why? No. Uh, I know he's like a aggressive runner, um, but uh, you know I'm also an aggressive runner, so I know how to think. I know how to be one step ahead. And it looked like I was one step ahead in that one. But you didn't like anticipate it. You just always play that way. I mean, yeah, I, I was anticipating. Yeah. Uh, that he might. Yeah, that he might definitely anticipating, and you know, I mean the the play was in front of me, and uh, it was me against him. How much have you watched the highlights of him? Because I mean. We're talking about two of the more athletic players, maybe. And I mean, the guy's incredible. The guy's amazing. Um, he, won, he won the game today because of, because of his speed. And, uh, you know, it's just great to see guys like that, especially when coming from the same island. And, uh, you know, when you see talent like that, you, you just better appreciate it because it doesn't come around very often. That was Fernando Tatis Jr. inside the Padres clubhouse. The second half of that, he was talking about Ellie De La Cruz, and he was talking about the play in the fourth inning where De La Cruz hit a chopper down the first baseline. It went down the right field line, and then Tatis threw out De La Cruz at second base uh, in that inning. It had actually ended up helping Seth Lugo through a scoreless inning. So at the time, it was a really impactful play, and another Great outfield play from Fernando, his ninth outfield assist that leads the National League right now. So that was another good play by Fernando. And uh, I'll tell you what, just forgetting the result in the game, it is cool to see Fernando and Ellie De La Cruz on the field together. I think they're very similar. They're flashy. They're exciting. What Ellie De La Cruz is doing right now for Cincinnati in his first month in the major leagues, it, it does remind you a little bit of what Fernando did when he first came up, the electricity, the flair, the results, the speed, all the tools. Um, If you're a baseball fan, appreciate that part of it because uh, they they are similar uh, in ways. And uh, Dela Cruz, boy, looks like he's going to be a terrific player. He just, I mean, he does things on the field, much like Fernando, that uh, just uh, a lot of other guys can't do. So when he had a huge hit in this game, tied the game in the 11th inning with that RBI double, and uh, the Reds go on to win it 7-5. So that was Fernando Tatis Jr. I'll tell you, and we didn't see Fernando say it, obviously, here on the radio, but, I mean, that's as early on there talking about um, getting punched in the face. That's about as as disappointed as I've heard Fernando this season. And you understand that this, I mean, this was a really tough loss, tougher than I think any other this season. That's what I think. And really because this game, again, it it featured in the first half of the game things that we've seen a lot, but then they woke up in the ninth and the 10th and the 11th. We have not seen what they, let's be honest, what they did, despite the loss, what they did in the ninth, 10th, and 11th, we have not seen that this year. So to do what they did, fight, come up with some big hits in extra innings, and then still lose the game, I understand it. I understand why Fernando sounds that way. That's that's really, really tough. And I feel for him. Um, he had a big hit in this game, the the hit that uh, put the Padres ahead in the 10th inning. And look, Fernando, for the most part, he's, he's cooled off a little bit towards the end of June here, but he still has had a terrific month. And you look up at the numbers, and he, he's done a lot of really good things since rejoining this team on April 20th. But I, I totally get it. That's why I came on the air at the start of the post-game show, and I was nearly at a loss for words because this one this one was a little bit different 
than the other crushing losses the Padres have had as of late. All right, we'll get to your phone calls here in a second. Do want to knock out a couple of our uh, daily features. Let's tell you about our relief pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was able to come in and slam the door shut? It's time for the relief pitcher of the game in support of the Jacobs and Cushman San Diego Food Bank, providing food assistance to local children, families, and seniors in need. To get help or give help, visit SanDiegoFoodBank.org. Our relief pitcher of the game. I'm going to go back actually to the seventh and eighth inning when Lucas Sims came in for the Reds. That was in the seventh inning. At that point, the Reds had, or I should say, the game was tied at one at that point. And Graham Ashcraft had walked two. Sanchez, Carpenter to put runners on first and second with two outs. Sims came in, struck out, Rugnet Odor looking, ended the inning, came back out for the eighth inning, and worked around a two-out single from Juan Soto, but had to get through to T. Soto and Machado at that point, protecting a 2-1 to lead after the home run by Stevenson in the bottom of the seventh inning. So in total, he got four outs, stranded two on, well, three on total in the, the two innings, got through the very top of the Padres lineup. For that reason, Lucas Sims out of the Cincinnati bullpen, our relief pitcher of the game. Man, I really wish I could have given that to a Ray Kerr or a Drew Carlton for hanging on in this game, but did not happen that way. Let's tell you now about our player of the game. Which player had the biggest impact on today's game? Let's find out who is today's player of the game. Presented by Valley View Casino and Hotel. Catch every game at Patties and Pints. Plus, enjoy $4 beer every Thursday. Visit valleyviewcasino.com today. Our player of the game, hard not to go with Spencer Steer, who hit the two-run home run, right? I mean, at that moment, Reds are trying to avoid getting it to a 12th inning. They had just had the run cut down on the Dela Cruz play at home plate. The review, and moments later, Steer hits it out. And by the way, he was on four times in this game. Single, walk, walk. Made a base running blunder in the seventh inning, got picked off. But redeemed himself, certainly, the two-run home run to win the game in the 11th inning. So Spencer Steer, our player of the game here today. And once again, I... (laughs) I wish I was giving these to Padres players. You know, we, we don't always give it to Padres players, typically in losses. Uh, a lot of the time, these daily awards go the other way. But in the last six days, and especially the last week and a half, it, it just seems like every night. Um, uh, I'm looking at one side of my scorecard instead of the other. Unfortunate, but right now that's the way it is. All right, we have uh, lit up phone lines. Want to uh, get your reaction? Obviously, a tough one here today. Uh, long day, AJ Preller on earlier uh, on the station, so I uh, want to hear your reaction. And I don't promise here at eight games below 500 here on June 30th to have all the answers. We've been searching for them, but I'm certainly here for emotional support as we begin this July 4th weekend. That's something to smile about, right? All right, let's begin with Don. In Rancho Bernardo. Hi, Don. How are you? Hey, Sammy. I'm all right. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Good. Well, brutal loss. There's no other way to put it. Um, geez, that's uh, wow. Un- unbelievable. It seems like they find new ways to lose every night. And that's, you know, I know we say this a lot, but that's base. A lot of that's just baseball. You know, good teams can beat. Uh, or excuse me, good teams can lose to terrible teams and vice versa. And, you know, a lot of it's kind of the roll of the dice throughout the season. And, but, but 
But having said that, the trend for this team, you know, you got to look at it collectively 81 or 82 games into the season here. You know, just we don't have a very good team. And, and that is sad based on the strength of pitching and the, the lineup that we have uh, should have been great. But my silver lining here, and, you know, I know we're, we're well before the trade deadline here, but at this point of the season, especially after A.J. Prowler's talk this morning, and uh, seem to be all gun ho to, you know, try to salvage the season somehow mm-hmm. by buying more guys. And I'm just not on board with that at all. And a season ticket holder that we are, um, you know, we don't bring a whole lot of revenue to the club, but we do our part. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just not on board with that. I want to salvage the future. I want to salvage next year. I want to salvage mm-hmm. the year after that. Now, what I don't want to do is sell the farm you know, for to chase after unicorns, mm. you know, for, for this season, which is just, I, I see this is just a lost season. It's, it's a, it's a combination of not coming through in the clutch and just a lot of bad luck. Mm. And sometimes that happens. Yeah. Don, you know, and, yeah, Don, uh, appreciate the call and, and thank you uh, for your points. Uh, look, as far as the trade deadline and we heard from AJ Preller earlier today, it sounded to me like a, they're not, necessarily out of buying and B they're not necessarily out of selling and I think they will answer that question depending on what happens here in the next month didn't get it off to a great start here today hasn't been great the last six days last 11 days certainly um I don't know what I took away from it today I mean they have to turn this thing around in order to not be sellers that you know I think it's totally dependent on what happens in the next month. And right now it doesn't look great. You're eight games below 500. The wild card gap is widening. I haven't even looked today at where they are uh, after this game and games are still being played right now. But Don, I, I understand your point that if it becomes unrealistic that they can get back into this race come a month from now, come three weeks from now, because it's already the 30th. So you're really looking at, at this point, about three to three and a half weeks until you're really looking at um, what you're going to do with the deadline. I, I understand it that you may look at it like 2023 is lost and you recoup whatever assets you can get for guys like a hater and a snail who have expiring contracts. They're going to be free agents. We talked about it a ton yesterday. Scraby and I, when I filled in for uh, uh, Elo and Tony with Scraby yesterday, I don't know what direction they go in because I, I think they're going to let the next three, three and a half weeks play out. But to me earlier, it sounded like if they work themselves back into the race and they have a lot of work to do to do that right now, then, yeah, it's possible they could buy. Um, and I understand your point. I, I, I understand your, your, your point in the sense of if it is unrealistic, if you're truly not in it, there's going to be a, a fairly strong argument to say – Let's not give up any prospects. Let's go retool whatever we can for this season, get whatever we can, and let's sort of retool, regroup. We're going to do what we do in the offseason. I'm sure there will there will be moves to be made. And then you're, I mean, the thing you know is you're running it back with the same core next season, for sure. The core of this team, even if there is a somewhat significant move made, it's not going to be three or four of them. Um so, look, I, again, I, I, I understand the points on 100%, but I truly think, you know, we're, we're about three, three and a half weeks away from when they're truly going to have to make that call and what happens in the next three, three and a half weeks is going to decide that. That's what I heard today from AJ. Um, let's go to 
who's been waiting on here a while. We go to Basil, who's calling in from University City. Hi, Basil. Hey, Sam. How's it going? I'm doing okay, Basil. How are you? Uh, good. Just wanted to start by saying that I enjoy uh, listening to your show every day. And um, so uh, none of us really understand why this team is uh, underperforming this much. But I also don't understand why we haven't seen enough accountability this season so far. So besides Chris Matt, who got GFA recently, even though I prefer him to a lot of our current relievers, there hasn't been much. I mean, if I go to work and I don't do a good job for months, I get fired. So my question is, why have there been no changes in the staff, whether it's the GM or manager or hitting coaches? And also, do you think it would be beneficial for there to be changes in the staff at this point? Well, look, Basil, you know, I thought we heard it this morning from AJ, his confidence in the group, his confidence in Bob Melvin. He, he gave him a vote of confidence today. I think AJ is confident that this group can turn it around. And he was asked by Ben and Woods this morning if, you know, if if they can pivot from that plan, if they're realistically not in the race come three and a half weeks, four weeks from now. And it sounded like they'd be open to potentially pivoting. And what pivoting essentially means is, you're admitting that it's probably not going to happen this season and you make some moves as sellers at the trade deadline. Um, but AJ expressed a lot of a lot of confidence in the group today. Um, and that's what he said. And again, you can go listen to the uh, to the full interview uh, from this morning. But, um, you know, uh, it, look, the players, they've said to me mostly right thing, not to me personally, but what they've said in groups, what they've said uh in uh, things from the road that I haven't been there for. I mean, look, they've what we're hearing from Fernando, what we're hearing from Juan Soto, they've mostly said the right things. So if that's you know if that's not enough accountability, I understand that. As far as you know, changes to players, I don't know what you do. I mean, there's not this this super amount of depth at AAA. There's no big time prospects to call up. Again, and we've talked about it so much, this was a team built to be carried by Fernando and Juan and Manny and Xander and Jake Cronenworth. Sure, Fernando's had some really nice numbers and some nice stretches. Certainly, Juan Soto, despite a tough start, has put up some really good numbers and has contributed in a major way. But I view it as two things. Number one, you can look at the first eight innings today. It was the classic example of the offense not doing enough and they have not done enough on most occasions, on most days, um, for this team to have a winning record. Runners in scoring position, we all certainly know the issues with that. It's it's It just has not clicked, and the offense has not been what we thought it would be. And why that is, well, if I had that answer, I tell you, I, I don't know. Let's go to Mark in Bankers Hill calling in. Hi, Mark, you're on the air. Yes, hi, good afternoon or good evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I, you know, I, the owners got about a billion bucks invested in these guys. And I don't know. I don't know whether they're too complacent, too pampered or whatever, but you know, something, maybe you want to shake things up, take some, take one of these quote superstars and maybe, you know, some give them a a dose of reality and send them down to Albuquerque and have them maybe go back over the basics again. It's not the pitch and you're starting to start the five starters we have in this team are doing a hell of a job, Mm -hmm. but it's not, the bullpen, maybe bullpen partially, but it's the starters. That's that top five guys in that lineup. I mean, you got Kim out there doing what he does, 
every day. He plays old time baseball. He gets dirty, and he wants you see him. He just he does his job, and I can't understand. Bogardus, Cronenworth, Machado. I don't know. There's just no consistency, mm-hmm. and I just don't get it at all. I just think they're too pampered, and you, I guess you can't bruise their egos. And Mar- Mark, appreciate the call. Um, you know, look, as far as the consistency, I mean, it's hard to argue. It has been an extremely inconsistent offense. Um, it's a team that has not clicked on all cylinders. I mean, again, today is a good example of it. Look, again, you break this game down into two parts, what we saw in the first eight innings, and then the good things they did, the things we haven't seen a whole lot of in the ninth, in extras. But on a day where they do those things, well, then a thin bullpen can't hold the leads in extra innings. And those extra innings are hard with the automatic runner, okay? I understand that. But you have to find ways to win. And it's a team that has just not clicked in found ways. Um, today, when they got punched, they did punch back. But like I said, when it rains, it pours. And it's uh, it's it's been a very inconsistent uh, offensive group, which certainly in the, in the big picture is the reason why this team is where they are. But I wish I had the answers, Mark. I really do. Um, And, you know, look, it's not the world we live in when you pay guys $300 million. They're not getting sent down to AAA. Quite frankly, doesn't work like that either. Um, Just technically with options and things like that. I mean, this is a team, and we heard it from AJ today. I mean, this is a team that has an organization that has confidence in the guys they gave major contracts to, major years to, major money to. And it's not just this year. I mean, it's it's for the next handful of years, the next decade, that they're going to be relying on these guys. It doesn't mean just because it's been so disappointing here this season that it's going to be this way every year. In fact, I'd be willing to bet it won't be because that's just baseball. I Again, I said it yesterday with, uh, with Scraby on the air. I mean, you almost, uh, from an offensive standpoint, the runners in scoring position numbers – you almost refuse to believe if you played these 82 games over, same teams on the field, that it would go this way again, especially some of the offensive stuff, that guys would play more like the back of their baseball cards. Baseball usually works out like that. It usually evens out. But to this point, it just has not. And on top of that, as a team, as a unit, they're just not finding ways to win. And in sports and baseball sometimes, That's just the way it goes, and it's a really hard thing to put your finger on as to why it's not happening, just like all of us have been so confused about it all. And it's it's part of the reason why I've been on here every night searching, and I get calls every night where people are searching for the reason, for the answer. And unfortunately, sometimes it's it's not that easy. Certainly, we know what the issues are, but why, you know, why Manny's – you know, not having a year, anything like he's used to having. Why Xander Bogarts, you know, even with the wrist issue, is not having a year like anything he's had in the past. Jake Cronenworth, you can put him in that category too. I wish I had the answers. Let's go to Jim in Oceanside. Hi, Jim. You're on 97.3, the Fan Padres Radio Network. What's up? Uh, I don't know. if it, Is it me? Uh, anyhow, I'm just calling to complain about not using Hader. Why wasn't Hader used? Does he only pitch 15 pitches a day? Is that well, all you get out of him? Jim, I'm, I'm going to make it real simple for you. Josh Hader does not throw more than one inning. 
Um, the last time he, he did that, I looked it up today. The last time he did it in the regular season, he got four outs, a four-out save. Uh, I, I'd have to go back and look to see if it was a save. But he, he got four outs in a game during the postseason for the Padres last year. I believe when I looked, let me see if I still have his page pulled up here. I don't. I believe when I looked, there was another postseason game where he did that. But the last time he he got more than three outs, pitched more than one inning in a regular season game was on August 14th, 2020. Didn't do it with the Brewers in 21. Didn't do it with the Brewers in 22. Didn't do it with the Padres last season in the regular season. Didn't do it this year. It's it just it's not what he does. Um, so I knew, and I knew people were going to want Hader to uh, come back out for that 10th inning. I could have told you that that wasn't going to happen. Um, he got the three outs in the ninth. I understood why Bob Melvin used him in the ninth inning because typically – you save your closer for maybe that bottom half of the 10th inning if you have a lead. But I, I understood it. With the way things have been going, how desperate the Padres are for wins right now, I understood, hey, we got to get the extra innings and how thin the bullpen is right now. But I'm just telling you, he, he's not going to pitch one, more than one inning. Hasn't done it in almost three years in the regular season. And he wasn't doing it today. All right, we're going to step aside, take a break. We're going to come back with more of your phone calls, out-of-town scoreboard, wrap things up. Final score, Red 7, Padres 5 in 11 as the Padres lose a sixth consecutive game. More to come with Sam Levitt on the Padres Radio Network. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score, the Reds 7 and the Padres 5. Final in 11, Padres lose a sixth consecutive game. They've now lost 9 of 11. Padres sitting at 37 and 45 on the year. If you missed Bob Melvin's post-game thoughts, if you missed the audio from Fernando Tatis Jr. post-game, same thing with Juan Soto. We already played it all. You can listen back to it on the Inside San Diego Baseball podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts and our full recap of what became a a wacky, kind of wild game. And unfortunately... Does not go the Padres' way, but we've already (laughs) recapped it. I broke the game down in two parts. I've done everything I can to break this one down. So we'll finish up at a town scoreboard. We'll take a couple more phone calls and wrap things up. we got to be back here pretty early tomorrow uh, for uh, a pretty early start time for Game 2 of this series. So let's take a look at scores today from around the major leagues. Let's go around Major League Baseball and take a look at the scores you need to know from across the country. This is the Out of Town Scoreboard presented by Jensen Meat, where great taste meets integrity. Locally produced in San Diego since 1958. We do have a number of finals already today. Cubs beat the Guardians 10-1 in Chicago earlier at Wrigley Field. Nationals over the Phillies 2-1 in Philadelphia. Stone Garrett. A home run in that game for Washington. Red Sox blanked the Blue Jays 5-0 in Toronto. We did have a postponement today. Yankees at the Cardinals in St. Louis. They will make that up as part of a doubleheader tomorrow at Busch Stadium. Games going on right now. Twins leading the Orioles 8-0 in Baltimore in the fourth. Brewers ahead of the Pirates 7-5 in Pittsburgh in the eighth inning. Giants leading the Mets 5-4 in New York in the ninth inning. Marlins trailing to the Braves 16-4 in Atlanta. In the eighth inning, Marlins playing really well. Well, 
Miami say hello to the Braves. They're pretty good. 16-4, Atlanta over Miami. Astros leading the Rangers 5-3 in Arlington in the seventh inning. Dodgers ahead of the Royals 5-2 in Kansas City in the sixth inning. Rockies ahead of the Tigers, 8-3 in Colorado in the seventh. D-backs ahead of the Angels, 1-0 in Anaheim early on there in the first inning. White Sox ahead of the A's, 1-0 in Oakland, first inning there. And the only game yet to begin coming up in just about 15 minutes. Rays at the Mariners in Seattle. And that's a look at the out-of-town scoreboard on this Friday as we begin this July 4th weekend. All right, we'll squeeze a couple more phone calls in here and... uh, uh, then wrap things up. Let's go to, looking at my big board here, let's go to Ron, who's calling in from San Diego. Hi, Ron. Hey, Sam. Hey. Okay, so here's what I got. Okay, so I need everybody to relax. We can't throw an all-star team together in one year. They need time. That's why they bought a seven-year contract next few years we're going to dominate the world and just let them do their meshing and their workout and it's going to be okay right all right well ron i look i i hope you're right um when you have juan soto here when you've got look bottom line is this when you've got the caliber of players they have and this team is spending the kind of money it's spending there's no year that's just for meshing it's for winning and that's the bottom line. So I, I don't I don't view it that way. The time to mesh was April. It's it's not about meshing anymore. And you don't just throw away years, especially when you made trades for guys like Juan Soto and and the money and the player, the caliber of player uh, that is here right now. Let's go to Gonzalo in Chula Vista. Hi, Gonzalo. Hi, Sam. What's up, Gonzalo? Uh, yeah, a couple of comments. Uh... You say that Hater has not gone uh, more than one inning, uh, so you pitch him in the ninth. For what? So you can throw a triple-A, triple-A uh, pitcher in the tenth, another triple-A pitcher in the eleventh? Well, well, look, Gonzalo, look, uh, typically it's, it's you know, typically, yes, you would save – you could save your closer for the 10th inning. Let's assume you have that same lead you had in the 10th inning. Okay, a two-run lead, yes. You would rather have Josh Hader on the mound than Ray Kerr. I understand that. But you also had to get to the 10th inning. So I I didn't hate it. Look, I know it's a, against a little conventional wisdom there. But with the way things are going, with how thin this bullpen is, you had to get this game to the 10th inning. Um and then after that, yeah, the bullpen's really thin. Like we talked about earlier, you're going to have guys like Kerr and Carlton in spots they've never been in, you know, and it worked out the way it worked out. Again, I look, had if you're living in an alternate universe where you could have used a Kerr or a Carlton to get you to the 10th inning, yeah, you're in a way better position in the bottom half of the 10th inning, but you may not get there if you don't use Hater in the ninth inning. And again, with the way things have been going, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I just didn't. So, didn't work out. Padres punch back after Kerr gave up the lead. And uh, it's the magic of being at home. You get the one final swing, and uh, the Reds took it with the Spencer Steer. Two-run walk-off home run. Let's tell you about our play of the game. What was the crucial play that helped decide the outcome of today's game? This is the play of the game. Presented by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Flood and Restoration. Because we know how.
Marlton set, the right-hander deals, and Steer swings, hits one in the air to deep left field. You've got to be kidding. That is going to go. Second deck and left, a walk-off two-run home run, and the Reds in 11 innings when it's 7-5. to you got to be kidding. Pretty good way to sum up the evening. Final score, Red 7, Padres 5. Obviously, our play of the game had to be the Spencer Steer two-run walk-off home run. All right, looking ahead to tomorrow. Early start time tomorrow and on Sunday as well. 10.40 a.m. here in San Diego tomorrow. Our Eco Water SoCal Padres pregame show begins at 9.40. It'll be right-hander Michael Waka on the mound for the Padres tomorrow. So they had to skip him one start dealing with that shoulder fatigue. But good news, Michael Waka, who's had a terrific first half of the season, on the mound for the Padres tomorrow it'll be left-hander Brandon Williamson on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds so Waka against Williamson first pitch at 1040 pregame at 940 taking a look at the final totals in this game here today in 11 innings for the Reds seven runs 10 hits no errors they left on six for the Padres five runs nine hits two errors they left on nine winning pitcher in this game was Daniel Duarte who improves to one and oh losing pitcher Drew Carlton who drops to two and one time of game three hours and 21 minutes and the crowd at great American ballpark in Cincinnati 31,772. As always, if you missed any of our post-game show, you can listen back to it on the Inside San Diego Baseball podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. For our great studio coordinator, Frank Marchese, I'm Sam Levitt saying so long. Again, the final score in 11, Red 7, Padres 5. Talk to you tomorrow morning on the Padres Radio Network.